There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Noya Caribbean podcast. This podcast is dedicated to bringing to life Caribbean history and culture from our Indo-Caribbean experience, the lives of our indigenous people, the Arawak, Kalinago, Taino, and more, our African heritage, and of course, our gangster stories of resistance and rebellion in the Caribbean, throwing in the history of our music, food, and cultural practices. The more we know our history, the more we know ourselves. So get to know yourself through Know Your Caribbean, the Know Your Caribbean podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's episode of the Know Your Caribbean podcast, where I'm bringing to you guys bad girl stories. And one of my favorite stories that I did come across was about the apprenticeship period and in St. Vincent. Now, a lot of us have been told in the history books that the apprenticeship period was just like a softer version of enslavement that it was you know it wasn't that bad right um and through this amazing essay by a historian called sheena boa she's given me a great insight into what uh, post-emancipation quote unquote was like um and especially the apprenticeship period and within the apprenticeship period you know what we know is as four to six years and that you get like a small little bit of money and that's, you know, maybe the hours are not so bad or you'll be trained into integrating um, into normal society as a free person. But it really wasn't like that. Surprise, surprise, right? So, you know, through this essay, it's come to understand in terms of basically, let's look at it this way. When you when we look at things like in Hollywood movies or whatever, there's this perception that slave owners wanted were just like hyped to kill the enslaved like anytime they want, right? When the truth is, at the end of the day, that was their property. So it was only when it was within extreme cases would an enslaved person be killed. If they knew that, for example, these people are planting seeds into the heads of other enslaved people and therefore can cause problems. These were their kinds of examples, or if it, if it was extreme, extreme, quote-unquote, insubordination. But at the end of the day, if, say, I paid £50 for you, I have made an investment into your body to work for me for the rest of your life. So yes, you do a lot of horrible punishments would make you very near death, but not want you to die, per se. You know, they would kill you emotionally, mentally, spiritually. But not physically because they needed your physical body to do the work for them when we look at apprenticeship within this essay showing that 
actually corporal punishment went up during apprenticeship period in St. Vincent because in their mind they're like well I only have you for the next four years so I'm going to work the shit out of you and well if you die you die kind of thing because you know within a, f- a few short months or years I no longer own you so all of these things and women especially felt the apprenticeship hard so in uh, another misconception is looking at the fact that they just wanted to quote-unquote breed and save people like throughout the 400 years like the more children the better that wasn't entirely the case it was mainly towards um the end of the slave trade because for them in their slave owners eyes it was cheaper to just import another enslaved person if somebody died as opposed to raising a baby um up until you know they reach teenage years so that's waiting a good amount of years um and getting back on your investment right so it was only when a safe trade was made illegal um, in 1807 by the British government. So we're looking at the British colonies in particular. So therefore, they could not transport and save people from Africa and other places. But slavery could still happen and still did happen for another 30 plus years. So when this happened, then they're like, oh, OK, shit, we need to, you know, start they would say we try we need to increase our quote-unquote stock right so this is when they started to encourage and save women to have more children and all of that before that it was a hindrance they're like yo if you're pregnant and therefore you can't work or if you're breastfeeding therefore you can't work but after 1807 they're like yo okay incentivizing a lot of enslaved women to have children so this did happen before 1807 of course but it bolstered it boosted after 1807 because they couldn't bring in any more new people to replace those who had passed away so and even in another wonderful essay that was sent to me by a great friend of mine from grenada was looking at how enslaved women uh, resisted these incentives and you know would refuse to have children would do things to make themselves infertile and do other methods to hinder um, them having children as an act of resistance against because they knew um, you just want me to have children so you can just enslave my child and make money off of my child it's not happening and you find this instance across the board with enslaved women who used this as a means to resist and it's a very very difficult but very interesting concept and not something you hear about very often so within the apprenticeship period it was the same kind of wake up early in the morning do the work and them kind of things so punishments varied but they had incorporated the use of this thing called the treadmill and i'm going to attach a photograph of the treadmill when i'm sharing this episode but the treadmill is this is like this big not like the exercise treadmills we know but it's this big round wheel of which is kind of like steps and it's just rotating with several people can stand in a row on it and you must be just walking this wheel for hours on end walking this wheel so it's like walking up steps for hours and if you get tired if you slip the steps keep rolling it could be very painful because they it would cut uh your shins and you know your ankles and your foot and all these kind of things like that and if you fell behind there would be an overseer there to crack the whip to make sure that you did not fall behind on the treadmill so if you got tired some um people would faint some people would fall off um and then they would be whipped so it was very very brutal and the use of the treadmill basically just shot out of 
the atmosphere um, during apprenticeship. And this was a new way to punish enslaved people. So one of the things when looking at how enslaved people were punished, they had a few ways of recording this. And one of these examples is called the Protector of the Slaves book. And I found this um, for St. Lucia and for a couple other islands where it was a thing that existed where enslaved people could go to complain against their masters or their overseers. Extremely insightful and also an opportunity to find or hear the voices of enslaved people. Yes, it's been transcribed by some white man or whatever. So you can find these instances of hearing their voices, even though it is through this, you know, white person writing, but you can read through the lines and really feel um, and hear their side of the story, which is not something you hear very often, right? Um, and then also, when slavery ended, the government decided to put in place these so-called magistrates. These magistrates, bunch of white men, they're all friends with the slave owners, but it's where you go to to complain against um, any injustices that are happening on the plantation. And then they're supposed to keep record of how many people uh, were whipped, how many lashes did they get. There's a certain quota of lashes you're supposed to get. But who is really going to be uh, monitoring all, all of these things? But even within this monitoring, um, looking at through the, the research done with this essay, you're seeing that, yes, punishments went up. I guess also because and say people looking like, y'all telling us slavery is done, but we still have to be doing all the same things we was doing before, if not more. So, of course, it's going to be this upheaval of, you know, of emotion and anger and those who just don't want to do it. So, anyways, I'm going to read a few excerpts from this amazing essay. Um, and looking at some of the reports from the magistrates, their frustrations, and hence some real bad girl thing going on here, right? So I'm going to jump in where it says here, Apprentices had learned to mobilize themselves as a group during the slavery period. In St. Vincent, the last enslaved protest took place on several estates in the Carib district on the island. The apprentices from three of these estates staged a similar protest during the cropping period in early March of 1835. The dispute occurred when the managers of Orange Hill, Turama, and Waterloo Estates decided to change the hours and method of payment during the busy crop period. Lieutenant Governor Tyler had suggested that during cropping, the apprentices should earn one and a half pence for each extra hour they had worked. One and a half pence an hour. However, within a week, the apprentices felt that they were being cheated and not paid promptly. I mean, even cheating people out, out of one and a half pence an hour, really? <laughs> the managers then decided to share among their apprentices one dollar, just over four shillings, for each hogshead of sugar that was produced. Do you all know the size of a hogshead? A hogshead is like, you know, them barrels you send down home um, when you're sending things um, home and things like that, right? even fatter than that about the same height but fatter so one dollar per hogshead of sugar okay that's i think it's like hundreds and hundreds of pounds worth of sugar so the apprentices did not agree with this no doubt because they did not believe that they would eventually receive the money the managers also this not even that they felt like okay this is not enough money for us we deserve more but they just felt like they're not even going to get paid that little one dollar 
The managers also decided that they would organize shifts so work was carried out over a 13 to 14 hour period with gangs working alternately in the fields and mills. Robert Pittman was called in to liaise with the field workers. I think he's a magistrate, right? In his report, he admitted that he thought the demands of the managers were excessive, but he agreed to support them. You see what I'm saying? Friend, support friend, right? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. The results were a weaker protest with the apprentices refusing to turn out before 6 in the morning. The punishment of 128 people and a full-scale riot when some of the offenders were taken to the workhouse. The workhouse is where the treadmill is. It's hot, humid, stuffy, no water is given and you are working this treadmill for hours. A lot of people did lose their lives working the treadmill. So it goes on to say, the protest began in earnest on Tuesday the 3rd of March when Pittman sentenced one man from Waterloo Estate for two days extra labor for refusing to start work at 4 in the morning. He then went to Turama to talk to the apprentices. Hey, the women began chanting, no 6 to 6. 6 to 6, no 6 to 6, in reply to his order. Pittman had eight women put in confinement and then ordered the gangs to start work at 5 each morning. So it, because they say 6 is too early and they say no 6 to 6, so that you can see the shifts were 12-hour shifts, 6 a.m. to 6 in the, in the night, he then decided, nah, I'm going to punish you all and make you do 5 o'clock, right? So this is during the... Uh, the so-called era of when slavery was not so bad, right? At Orange Hill Estate, he told the gangs to start work at 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. All right? See the wickedness about these magistrates who are supposed to be fair and all of this, right? So on Thursday, he was summoned to punish the field workers who had turned out late. So once again, acts of resistance are happening. They may feel small, but they're actually really big. And these are the things that we don't hear about. We just thought, yeah, we were yes, master, no master. But these are acts of resistance that were happening constantly. 
So, on Waterloo, four men and nine women were charged. The women were sentenced to two extra days labor on the estate, but the men were sentenced to 40 lashes with the cat or the cat of nine tails, which is a whip that has nine, um, I'm not even sure what to say, it has nine tails. Um, they call it a cat of nine tails. Sometimes they would do things like put nails on each extra strand of the whip um not for all but this was one of the things the cat was something was a very brutal thing um that they had so they were sentenced to 40 lashes with the cat which Pittman ordered to be carried out immediately this man is an asshole you know as the men were being flogged one woman named Rebecca continued to shout six to six as a sign of defiance six to six Pittman sentenced her to hard labor on the treadmill for one week. So every day, for 12 hours a day, she had to work the treadmill. I think obviously they would have had to have had breaks in between that because there's no way that someone could survive that. But still, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. If you're interested in hearing the insights of an apprentice, there is a book um, by James William, a young apprentice. He was 18 in Jamaica and wrote a lot about it. I will warn you, I bought it. It's about two years now I have the book. I have not finished it. It's very, very, very hard. It's not even a long book. But it's, I found it really a very, very difficult read. And this is why I come to say about how the apprenticeship period was real dread. It was not, it was horrible. Um, as horrible as they read. And I will explain a little bit more why in first women especially, um, it was worse. So the essay goes on to say, on Orange Hill, a similar scene occurred. Six women were sentenced to two days extra labor and two men were immediately given 40 lashes. So as we can see here, and this is now the third estate where it is more women than men are being called in to be punished for being defiant, quote unquote defiant. Here, a number of women began to shout and protest during the flogging of the men. One woman was held in confinement but was released because her husband promised that she would behave in the future. A young man was also sentenced to the treadmill for one week for threatening the overseer who had ordered a young man's mother to work in the mill. On Turama, six men and once again eight women were charged and two men and three women were sentenced to the treadmill for one week. The rest were ordered to work an extra two days on the estate. Pittman had realized the dangers of public flogging so that he was seeing that and say people were speaking up more against floggings and then finding different ways of punishment. So it goes on to say, the following day, the apprentices on all three estates refused to turn out before six. So as you can see, it's not even to say they were even fighting per se for six to six is a problem. So as you can see, I misread earlier when you were saying no, six to six. So they were asking for it to be six to six. So they were asking for a 12 hour shift for it to be 6 a.m. to 6 in the night. And they asked, they're telling them to do more. Right? So when they were saying no, as in not no six to six, as in no, we are asking for six to six. This makes it even more. Okay, I'm going to continue. The following day, the apprentices on all three estates refused to turn out before six. And on Turama, they refused to work in the mill. Pittman wrote to the lieutenant governor to request extra help and decided to take those sentenced to hard labor off the estates. With the aid of constables from neighboring estates, the prisoners were put on a cart and led off the estate. 
However, the other apprentices followed and attempted to release them. You see? Bad, bad man, bad girl thing. So, Pittman was obviously afraid of violence and described riding at the crowd to try and disperse them. By the time they had reached the police barracks at Georgetown, a crowd of over 120 people had gathered. The police managed to arrest a further nine people who were placed in custody in the barracks and on nearby estates. During the evening, the crowd dispersed. On Saturday, the apprentices again refused to work before six. Consequently, Pittman returned on Monday and sentenced them primarily to hard labor for 10 hours a day in the penal gang. The work was to be carried out on the estates under the supervision of the troops. Thus, the planters not only won the extra hours, but they were also no longer required to pay them. You see, what I'm saying about how these wicked freaking magistrates, because they're all in cahoots with the owners and the managers of the estates, right? So it goes on to say, two men had their sentences of flogging remitted in exchange for naming one man and one woman as the ringleaders of the protest. In fact, Pittman remained convinced that there had been a well-led conspiracy on the estates because the women's chance of six to six had seemed rehearsed and because the women had spat at and cursed their husbands who did not join in their protests during the first round of the floggings. He goes on to complain and I quote, these poor misguided people have been misled and have been the victims whilst the designing and the most guilty have as yet escaped the operation of the law so folks this is where we can see how women have been in the forefront on several estates in saint vincent during the apprenticeship period where they were even fighting their husbands for not fighting and you know i think it's such a beautiful thing to see this communal thing of chanting just even for the 12 hour shift of six to six and how this spread like wildfire to other estates and how did these things even happen when they were not allowed to travel and all of these things it is always a mystery to me how these messages traveled but what an amazing thing and once again seeing women seeing more women being punished for protesting for being quote-unquote insolent or for resisting or turning up late and all of those things is absolutely incredible and one of the things i wanted to add why apprenticeship was so much more difficult for women was during slavery is there used to be nurseries so therefore the older women older enslaved women who physically were not able to work in the fields and do all of the hard labor for sugar or perhaps someone who was disabled they were set to work in the nurseries so they would be the ones looking after the children whilst the able-bodied mothers went out into the fields and to continue the work as normal when slavery ended these nurseries closed and like i said um earlier on in the podcast when they're like they don't want the enslaved to die per se because i've bought you you are my you are my property and i needed to work now they're like oh i only have you for another four years you all i don't care how old you are you're going back in the field and i'm going to work you to the bone now because i'm in a few just very very soon i'm not going to own you anymore so a lot of people who used to care for the children whether elderly and disabled were sent back out into the fields to work mothers they had to carry the children on their back um, even little toddlers and stuff like that were made to do smaller tasks like weeding and things like that but they were put out into the field also and even with schooling and things like that 
their schools and the whole efforts to kind of reintegrate or help um, formerly enslaved people assimilate into society so they can be independent, the, they, li- <laughs> they made sure to limit the subject matter to things like husbandry and like agriculture. So they're just training you to be a farmer and things like that. And also and save women. If you wanted to put your child in school, you had to pay for it. So how is it that they could afford to do that? So they had no choice. So they had no more support that they used to have from the older or the disabled and safe to help look after their children. They just had to do it all on their own. So, you know, this is also going to add to why they are going to be resistant. So these women who are working 12 hour shifts and just demanding even that, and he still wanted to take more from them. But as we can see, these women were not having it. So bigger people like Rebecca and all the other unnamed enslaved women who are doing bad girl things and resisting. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast mini episode. I hope you enjoy it. See you guys soon.